Do humans have free will? And why have philosophers debated this question for so long without seeming to solve it? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual and the only cult that wants you to think more, not less. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, culture critic, self-appointed, tender-hearted gadfly of the internet. And with me, as always, is my mischievously magnanimous co-host, Nathan Clarkson, author, actor, filmmaker, and... Uh, big free will component. I'm going to go ahead and out myself right mm, now. Yeah. Wow. wow. You're, you're coloring will, the debate before even free start. speech. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. All of the free things. Yes. Uh, well, free food. Speaking, speaking of... <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, well, speaking of which, today we are talking about free will. Specifically, do human beings have it? Since the beginning of philosophy and particularly Western philosophy, intellectuals have struggled to reconcile the human experience of being free to make choices in daily life with the religious or intellectual commitments to believe such as God's sovereignty over human affairs or scientific principles that every fact has a cause. Different philosophers have come up with different answers with varying degrees of persuasiveness. St. Augustine, who came up with a philosophical category of the will, suggested that we the will made you the source of your own decisions, but that your will could be enslaved by various things like disordered love or addictions. Thomas Hobbes posited that free will only means freedom from external constraints and not internal desires. Artists also have wrestled with the implications of what God or science might mean from free will, from John Milton's Paradise Lost to Alan Moore's Watchmen, Arthur Burgess' A Clockwork Orange and Steven Spielberg's Minority Report. Nathan Clarkson. Given that philosophers, theologians, scientists, and artists have been trying to answer this question for thousands of years, do you think the question is unsolvable, or is it just waiting for two exceptionally handsome podcasters to finally crack the code? That's interesting. Are you asking me um, if I have, uh, if I will give my opinion, or if my opinion has already been set before time began? Either way. Take it in the direction you are free, free to answer how you please. <laughs> Thus you assert. Well, this That's is an interesting question. Um, and I say that every time, but this really is one that has been permeating my life as both a man of faith and a man who just likes to ask questions about humanity and will and freedom and choice. And for me, I already added myself earlier as a big free will component. Um, this is this gets this question gets straight to the heart of both my faith and my humanity. And I think it's one of the most important questions we can deal and wrestle with. Now, part of me wants to be incredibly simplistic and say, of course we have free will. Every, all we do every day is make choices. And then uh, you know, the voice in my head, the devil's advocate comes in and tells me all of the determinist arguments that really right. ultimately we don't have any free will, that every choice we make is made up of either our past experiences, um, our environment, our, our, per, our the worldview we were given as children, 
or if you're talking to a Christian determinist, uh, often known as someone who's reformed or a Calvinist, they would say that <laughs> that God oh, has shots fired, <laughs> shots fired, but that that God has ordained everything, right. and that if anything isn't ordained by God, then He's not all powerful. And that's actually something I've heard. Um, I listened to an atheist, um, a popular atheist talk recently. I think by the name of Morg, um, and he puts out uh, Facebook videos, like millions of views, but he essentially said that um, if God is, uh, he's disproving God's existence by saying that if God is all powerful, um, then he can't be all good and, and all that kind of thing. But it came down right. to uh, free will, that, uh, that you can't say you have free will and believe in God. Now, I obviously don't believe this is true. I think that if you look at scripture, I'm gonna, I think I want to parse this out into two different sections here. One, fine, faith, fine, if you must, we must because I, I think it's important because I think we have to talk about the the faithful aspect of this of pe- people who are Christians and believers um, who talk about if we have free will or not, and the um, uh, how do I say it, the, more the secular view that apart from sure. God, the determinism. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the the religious view of free will, and this would be the classic uh, Calvinist Arminian argument. Um, did God ordain everything and in, in whatever we do, whatever we choose was already preordained and, or do we have total free will, um, which Calvinists would say would make God um, not in control. Now, I think that's interesting as you go back to scripture and you look through the breadth of scripture, I am overwhelmingly convinced that we have free will because all of scripture seems to be pointing to the importance of our choices. It seems to be asking us to make certain choices. It seems to uh, imply that our choices matter that a choices will ultimately not just matter in the earth, but in the eternity, um, that our choices have incredible weight to them. You know, I think about the Old Testament verse, I think it's in Isaiah about where it says here, before I lay you a choice, death and diversity or life and prosperity, um, where God is literally saying, I'm giving you a choice, but every main character through scripture is given choices to make. And so it's really hard for me to imagine that, Choice is such a huge theme of every major character of every book of the Bible in scripture um, that choice is, is permeated through God's speech to us um, and that ultimately it didn't matter. You know, we have no choice. Right, that right. seems like a, both a waste of time and it doesn't seem congruent with the God I have right. come to understand through scripture. Right. So on my own personal belief, I would say there's almost no way to believe that we don't have free will. I'd say that um, and I guess the contention is that if we do have free will, that God isn't sovereign, which is an interesting um, reaction because I think the question isn't, is God sovereign, but can he be? I believe sure. God can do whatever he wants. He is all powerful, but I believe, um, I can't remember who said it, but it was a Catholic theologian who said, God loves our freedom more than our salvation, which is really interesting to me. And I had to think about that for a while and chew that for a while. But I think ultimately if we have no free will, and this argument has been made a million times, sure. but we are not agents who can choose to love. One of the reasons that my relationship with my wife means so much and has such weight is because we both made a choice towards each other. Right. Now, had we been forced into relationship with each other, had we been forced to love each other, forced to be married, I think that love would mean a whole lot less. So yeah. I, I imagine um, it's hard for me to imagine that when God was creating the world and creating humans that he ultimately wanted to be in connection with, um, that he would have created them to, um, to force them into connection with him because uh, where there's force there and coercion, uh, there is no true love. Uh, right. A huge part of true love 
is the choice. And I think that is why the world is the way it is, because God did give us choice, that we do have free will. And ultimately, we we have misused that free will um, enormously, which has created an enormously broken world. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that that takes away God's sovereignty. I, I, I think that God is as sovereign as he wants to be, but he decides how he exercises that sovereignty. Right. And he has decided to give the creatures he has created in his own image a will just like he has. That's, I mean, Aquinas made that argument in where he says like, okay, like, well, everything happens according to God's plan, but f- freedom is a part of God's plan, you know? So like that's, you yes. know, so, that, so that's, that's why often he's talked about as somebody who's uh, advocates for um combat, uh, what was it? Compatibilism, I think is. Sort of yeah, it. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, go on. You were, but you also, there's another view way to talk about it as not from the biblical perspective. Uh, yeah. And so the secular perspective, well, actually, I, I'm going to say couple, just one or two more things on the biblical perspective. I also think that if we live in a broken world and we believe that there is no free will, that everything is ordained by God, then all of a sudden we have to reckon with the reality that God has ordained every terrible thing that's ever happened. He's ordained rapes and murders and famine and starvation and abuse. Um, and so I think that's a, a way harder thing to reckon with than, um, than is free will, to be completely honest. And I think scripture over and over again supports free will. But if there is no free will, suddenly God's character comes into question. And the God he said he is in scripture is not compatible um, with the God that would be uh, the, the God that would exist if there is no free will, because right. he would have to deal with all these terrible things that he says are terrible and then commits uh, these atrocities and wills these atrocities himself. So I think that's a really self-defeating argument yeah. um, ultimately to say that we don't have free will and that everything is ordained by God. Um, I, I like what you said that freedom. Yes. Everything is ordained by God in that freedom is ordained by God. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so that, that's a really, interesting thing for me not only do i believe vehemently in free will as i look at scripture i think if you don't you have to reckon with this entirely new terrible pernicious um some would say evil god who not only allowed these things to happen but initiated these things so i I think that's a really really big hurdle to give to get over and um it's not a god that i have come to know um through reading scripture uh and then on the secular side when you look into the determinists um, uh, who, who would this have started with, Joseph? Who was kind of the, one of the a uh, few of the first determinist philosophers? Oh, I don't remember. I don't. Okay. <laughs> 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 I, no, I, I don't remember. It's 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 interesting because the it because most philosophers have tried to argue for um, free will, but it, it, but it's interesting is that they they always have the difficulty, which is that. We're trying to argue with free will, but we're trying to reconcile it with other things that we believe. Because yes. the fascinating thing is that all of human experience, you alluded to this before, is that human beings have free will. Like every day we make a thousand different choices. So like, you know, we can choose things. On the other hand, you know, we also, uh, and Stanford's um, Encyclopedia of Philosophy does a good job of sort of unpacking this. If you want to look more, it's very long, but if you want to look more, um, but you know, you, you have that. We all make choices every day. On the other hand, you know, we know science, you know, effects have causes. We know that God is sovereign over all things. You know, you have, uh, I mean, you have the Bible, you have Paul saying, people saying, Hey, look, why is God making me, you know, if God is in control, why is he causing these things to happen and forcing, you know, 
like there's some verses about like, you know, forcing salvation versus not salvation. people, God choosing, you know, there's some verses in Romans that are like that. And people are like, I don't like that. And Paul basically says, oh, you know, like, well, can the pot, clay pot say to the potter, you know, stuff like that. So like, there's, there's stuff that people reckon with, um, but they have to reckon with how, then why does our human experience say this? And also how can we, um, how to reconcile our human experience and also, I'll get into this a bit more, but also, yes, biblical narrative about choices that are in there, um, which actually that was what Augustine, St. Augustine, for all the people who are going to get mad at me, <laughs> um, he was, that's why he invented the concept of the will, actually, to explain why God was not responsible for um, uh, mm. for for the evil in the world. So like you said, so that's an interesting historical aspect of it. Um uh, but so that's the thing is, it's not that there are a lot of philosophers who have argued that we don't have free will. Scientists more often argue that we don't have free will than philosophers. But philosophers are, are always starting from the back end of like, how do we prove we have free will when our intellectual commitments uh, would say that we don't? And the secular view of determinism is essentially, as I understand it, and I could be either oversimplifying this or getting it plain wrong, but as I understand it, is there are too many influential factors in our lives to ever let us believe that any of our choices are free of all these factors. Meaning, sure. you know, if a, if a kid grows up with a particular religious worldview, yeah. um, then he's already predisposed to believe this and see the world through this lens. So he didn't really have a chance in what he believes. And I, and you know, I've, people have said this to me before, you're, you're only a man of faith because you grew up in a family of faith. And so you really didn't have a choice. You just grew up with that and it's in, so deeply ingrained with you. Right. You never chose that. Um, but what you typically reply to them is, you know, early on, maybe that could be slightly true. As I was learning, I just took things for granted from my parents. But I would say there was absolutely points in my life where this is something I wrestled with. This is something I said, do I believe this? Is this true? And I'd say at that point, I did have choice in, is this something that I choose to believe or is this something I don't? There's absolutely choice in the belief of um, what I do. Now, I'm, I'm not well, That is also a weird thing to say in a time period where so many people are, you know, in our demographic are leaving their faith that yeah. our, the fact that we're staying in our faith is a meaningless thing. That's a weird argument to make. But, you know. I, I think so as well, because I, all I see is people making choices. And in fact, right. most of the choices I see people making, and, and sometimes myself, are incredibly bad ones. Right. Um, now, I will say, as someone who has studied a good amount of psychology, I do understand the influences of our early life, right. of our environment. I understand when you look at um, abuse or trauma and how that affects somebody and how they live and even addiction um, and, and mental illness as they go into their life. So when I say that I believe in free will, that's not just... Um, I'm not saying that we have free will in a vacuum. I obviously know and understand how influential uh, both relationships, circumstances, and environments can be in our lives. And this leads to a quote that you have told me many times, and I won't I'll let you actually say it, um, which which is really, really interesting, but ultimately, and I won't say, I'll, I'll save it for you because it's yours. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. You're, you're welcome. You get all the credit for knowing it. Um, so I do understand that there are huge influences in our life. There are still things that I am uh, that that affect me from my childhood, from ten years ago, from three years ago, that affect how I see the world and the choices I make. That being said, I have seen too often people rise above their circumstances, rise right. above the negative influences in their lives to make better choices. And so I think what while influences can be hard, I do not think they're ultimately. The, they don't have to ultimately be the factor that makes a choice in our lives. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people allow them to be, but I do think there's a huge difference 
in our will and the influences on our will. Um, I'm trying to think of an app analogy, but ultimately what I'm trying to say, yeah, please. Which is, I mean, St. Augustine, actually, he talked about, again, and this is interesting. I mean, there's a couple of distinctions I'm going to want to make in this. The first, because we're here, is St. Augustine didn't talk about free will, but he talked about the, a will. And mm. so, because one of his points was that um, the will could be enslaved. Like, you know, the will could be bound by things. The will could be influenced by things. But that didn't mean the will wasn't a component that existed. And so, like, yes. you know... He would talk about how there could be addictions. And if the will is addicted to something, then it might not at certain points have the capacity to make choices that other people would have. But the will could at certain points be freed and then be more capable of making choices, more or less. Um, you know, there is a certain sort of a, a Thales uh, phenomenon in philosophy, which, which is a term I just made up. Um, and I'm certain it's going to catch on. But Thales was uh, recorded as one of the first Western philosophers, maybe the first Western philosopher. And he said, everything is water. You know, that was his big thing was that all everything in existence is just a different form of water. And so it's like, you know, everybody wants to say it's all one thing. You know, it's either all free will or it's either, you know, all predetermined. Mm. And it's like, no, there is a will that can be influenced. And then there's, you know, but and there are influences on the behavior. Um, I think that's, that's the thing I want to go back to you. The, the reason that this discussion is so hard is because whether you're from a biblical perspective or a religious perspective or not, is because we have, you know, our experience and then our intellectual or, or other commitments. Um, because, again, all of our experience says that we make choices. And not only does all our experience say that we do make choices, most of our experience tells us two things. One, that if we act like we make can make choices and make better choices and worse choices and be held accountable for decisions, we make better choices. You know, that's something my mom was the first person to say that to me because she worked with, you know, um, her, my, my dad's mom who had, you know, a d dementia. And she said, if, if I treat her as if she can make better choices, then, uh, then she does like, she's capable wow. of making better choices. Um, and, you know, I have working with people, you know, who have had, you know, mental problems like that, that is true It's like, and we also know that it's more dignifying. This is what they teach you. They, they teach you if you work with people who have developmental disabilities, that the worst, one of the worst things you can do to them is treat them as if they're not capable of making wow. choices. And it's a dehumanizing thing. We know it's dehumanizing. We experience it when it's done to us. And we know it is like, again, you're, you're required to read this thing that tells you, you, you should not do that to people because it's dehumanizing. And we know that we know that through a personal experience. We know that through the data that we collect that treat people as they're not able to make choices dehumanizing. And that if we, if we treat ourselves, like I, every person who has made themselves better, like tells the same story that like, mm. I realize that I was accountable for my own decisions. You you know, you're a big proponent of therapy and you're always telling me that. I was about like, to mention this. Yes. Yes. It was like, you know, look, if people, if you tell people they're not capable of making, that they're capable of making choices, that is when it's like, yes, you had bad things happen to you. Yes, all that is true, but we, you know, you are, but you are capable of making yourself better. They make better choices. Now, we also know that if you treat people as if they don't have, a, have circumstances in their life that can influence their choices, we become uncompassionate. You know, we become judgmental. We become, and we become unhelpful for people because again, back to therapy, what therapy does is you first start out with acknowledging the things, the reasons that you yes. are being influenced to do this. 
And, and, and so, you know, and that's, again, like therapy is acknowledging the influences and then saying, now here's why you don't have to be a slave to them. Now, I guess. I'll I'll continue. I I have something to say about this. Continue. And, and so we know this through human experience that that is how to have the richest and best fullest life. Mm. And that's how to make ourselves better. That's how to help other people be better. That's how not to be horrible people to others, to treat them as if they're with compassion, but also expect the best from them. And so we only, the only thing we have to decide is, are we going to be hypocrites or not? You know, are we going to believe what we know we have to act as if it's true? And this is where we get into, and I'll stop here so you can actually move on, but it's, but as, this is where we get to a definition, a distinction I want to make between knowing something is true and knowing how it works, which is, I think, where a lot of philosophers get stuck on. They think that if you can't explain how it works, then you don't know if it's true, which isn't true. I mean, like you talk to any scientist and they'll say, yeah, we don't know how light can be both a particle and a wave. We just know that it is, yeah, you know. Yeah. So anyway, go, you were going to say something about the therapy thing. Well, it's, as I'm thinking over this, you know, I started the podcast by saying I'm a huge proponent of free will, which I am, but I also, I always want to be nuanced. And then I, we talked a little bit about influences, how influences really are powerful and influences very often. We have zero choice over the influences in our life and they do affect our choices. But as I, I am a huge proponent of therapy and I've gone to therapy for many years um, as a, you know, as a result of having mental illness or relationship issues, whatever it is. Right. And I really, it's always been something very beneficial to me. And, and you're correct. The first thing they do is you sit down and you talk about yourself and what's been going on and they analyze your behavior. They analyze the choices you've been making. And very often I will sit there going, wow, I've been making these terrible choices without even thinking about it. In, in other words, I haven't had my own will. I haven't been doing right. these things and they'll, and they'll tie it back to my childhood or previous previous experiences where these things are affecting the choices you don't even know you're making. But right. so, so that being said, yes, determinism is a real thing. It's a real force in the world yeah. and it happens. But I think as humans, especially made in the image of God, we have the power to overcome determinism. Right. When I sit in the therapist's office and I see the things that I wasn't even choosing that a result of the influence wow. of my life, I suddenly have insight and perspective on the choices I'm making, which means I can now go make better choices because I have an education on myself and my influences and the circumstances of my life that had been controlling me. So I think, I think that, um, uh, determinism is a real, uh, a force in the world. And I think a lot of people roll over and allow determinism to, to run their lives. And I think it's the people who say, no, I want to look at the influences of my life. I want to look at the, um, the circumstances and relationships and trauma in my life and see how they're affecting the choices that I'm making without even thinking about it. And I want to insert uh, or assert my will into my own life. And so I think it's not that term- determinism doesn't exist. It's only free will or only free will and determinism. Right. I think determinism exists and is probably um, the most natural state. And I think the most supernatural state that God has offered us is a way to overcome determinism to actually have agency and will and choice in our life, but it's hard. And it takes, it's taken years of me sitting on a couch doing self uh, self searching yeah. with a wise person that has given me more power over the choice in my life. It has given me more free will yeah. um, by looking at the deterministic uh, influences. In yeah. Well, I think, I think, you know, again, I, you know, I mean, everything is, is, is a spectrum nowadays. I think that you can talk about will as a spectrum. Like, you know, mm. if, if you, again, like it just, I mean, obviously like, you know, if you're, 
you know, locked in, 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 a, in, in, a, in a prison, like your choices are limited by your physical surroundings. You, know, you can still yes, choose yes. certain things. You can choose your inner attitudes like the Stoics would talk about, but your choices are limited. If you have lack of education, again, there's your, your choices are limited because you don't know certain things. Like, you know, like things can limit our choices, you know, and, and our own, you know, trauma can limit your choices. But, you know, again, through things like therapy, through things like, you know, through, you know, divine revelation as Christians, you know, divine revelation, education, self-discovery, absolutely can expand our choices. And if you're educated, but just because you're educated, it doesn't determine that you will make a particular choice just because divine revelation comes down. doesn't determine you're going to make a particular choice there, you know, so like there are certain things that can expand our options. Hmm. And this is so. This is and this is the quote that you that you were gonna say. Yes, that I can't wait. Decided I to save for me. And this is you know the quote from Arthur Burgess who wrote A Clockwork Orange. And he goes through this whole thing where he's like, he said his book is all about the debate between Saint Augustine and Pelagius about wow. you know human beings and free because. St. Augustine believed that human beings had had a corrupted will, like, you know, so there's a will, but it's corrupted, it bends towards towards sin, and Pelagius believed that human beings are basically good, and therefore all the bad stuff in the world is just based on, you know, society kind of circumstance, and so it's like, so basically it's like, if you, is and so it's like, it's, and so he's basically said that if you believe it in St. Augustine's, if you believe in Pelagius' view, then you believe you just need to adjust society in order to make human beings perfect. And of course, if you believe that, then you don't have a problem with, you know, you essentially take, don't believe people have free will because yes. they're being so influenced by society. So it doesn't matter if you take it away. And so his thing in, uh, you know, Clockwork Orange is it's like, okay, what if we actually took free will away from somebody truly horrible, how horrible that would look. It's amazing because they take somebody who is one of the most evil people you can imagine. You know, he's a, he's a teenager. And not only is he a teenager, he, you know, he's a teenage male and he's a, and he's a serial killer. And but so it's, it's like, it's the worst. He's a, he's a straight white teenage male. That's the yeah. worst. That is the but, worst person. But, I no, but, I mean, but mostly he's a sadistic serial killer and they, and, but then they say they take away his free will and just how horrible that is. And of course, in the story, the minister is the guy who's the advocate for, you know, that this is a horrible thing, which is very interesting. Mm. But he says that. Arthur Burgess acknowledges the issue of influences, but he says that the lines that I always remember, which is that I don't know how much free will we have. It's probably very little, but what free will we do have is sacred. Basically I'm a, I'm a Burgessian when it comes to predestination, <laughs> uh, free, free will. Uh, argument. But that, that's such a beautiful quote. And I think it's beautiful because I believe it's true, it, you know, as I'm parsing this out with you and over the, the past decades of my life as I've been doing this, what I think I've come to realize is we always want an extreme. We always want it. Yeah. We have total free will or everything's already totally ordained either by God or by your circumstance. And I think the reality is um, determination lives in the world. Yeah. It lives um, through. Now, I don't, I don't believe God determined this, but I do believe that determination lives in the world through our circumstances, through our past, through our families, through our uh, environments. So I think that's the baseline. I think the baseline is determinism, yeah. but I think we have the ability yeah. to to grow and gather and acquire and practice free will, but it's something that has to be fought for. I think yeah. determinism is something that will affect and rule our lives if we let it. But if we don't want 
want to let determinism run and lead our whole lives, we have the ability to uh, work out this muscle of free will to ultimately practice and fight for free will. I think so. I think that does free will exist? Does determinism exist? And I think yes, they do. But free the free will and choice is something that we have to fight for um, in our lives through things like therapy, education, self discovery, prayer, whatever it might be. But these things will actually allow us um, more free will in our lives. Yes. Yeah. I will say that um, that and that's a couple things. That's where. So I, I've I've often struggled with the same thing with about like how much is God working? Is God working? How much is other people working? And how much is me? You know, in circumstances, mm. I struggle with that for a lot, a lot for a lot of my life. But the and I will say is the, what I realize is the the one time I never do that. I, the one time I have absolute clarity on what place gratitude has in my life versus pride of accomplishment versus, you know, uh, you know, what's, what is personal responsibility versus what is, you know, circumstances beyond my control um, is when I'm filming a movie. Interesting. Um, because I, I, it's, it's amazing just the filming a movie how clear it is to me what I did to make this happen. You know, I, I, you know, the choice I made, the choices I made to make wise decisions or unwise decisions as well as, and, and the things that because of my, you know, what I was able to do, this became a great project versus stuff I had zero control over, you know, and stuff that I have to be grateful to other people for a dot of time. Like, again, you know, the last you know, project we did together, you know, again, I remember have feeling sick to my stomach and nervous before shooting mm. because again, it's frantic. There's so much I can't control. I felt very nervous about it, but I was like, I was sick to my stomach. I was like, I can't go there like this because if I go there like this, you know, it, it's, it's just going to be bad for everything. And I just, I, I know I can, I will probably never be able to do this again. But I was like, I decided because I knew it was all in my head. I decided to not feel sick to my stomach anymore. So I know you, I'm you, not sick. This is like, this is just in my head. So I'm just going to decide not to. And I was able to do it. exercised free will over yourself to have free will. Exactly. And then, but on the other hand, you know, locations, the, you know, like we had last minute locations we had to like jump into. We had, you know, like again, you know, Emily Chamberlain who worked on it less was able to solve problems. She was producer and, you know, you know, dance coordinator. With was her will. Yeah. yeah, exactly. She was able to solve problems on the fly. You and Keely were able to solve problems on the fly that we had. And it was like, I was like, these are people I have to be grateful to because I couldn't have done it without them. God put circumstances in my life together without him doing that. I would have been able, would not have been able to do that. Just meeting all of you and all these people. But also there was stuff in there that I did. And it, I can't explain it other than like, I understood how it worked while I was acting. And one of the things I so think about is that some of these questions, and again, I have philosopher friends who get really irritated when I talk like this, but you know, but a lot of these questions don't matter or disappear when you just act and live in the world and you behave mm. like what actually makes your life better and other people's lives better. And some of these questions are answered just through be- what you do, even if you, yeah. rather than overthinking it. <laughs> well, this is something I would say as you're speaking, um, I think the way of determinism is easier. I think it's much easier to let life happen to you because 
I have tasted free will and free will is scary. Having will right. and responsibility of choice on your life is a lot of pressure. And it means that things, especially as you were speaking as a, as a director of a film, all of a sudden you realize the responsibility and the weight that you bear, that your choices bear. So I would say free will is not an easy road. I would say that free will is a much harder road. And if you want an easy road, not a better road, but if you want an easy road, live a life of determinism, let life happen to you. But if you want a better road, that's much harder, but a better one, you will choose to have will and agency over your life. And this I think is a perfect, cause I, I do want to touch on this a little bit before we wrap up, yeah. um, a perfect transition into um, the fact that I believe that God has called us to be people who fight for free will, who mm -hmm. make better choices, who learn more about him, the world, reality, ourselves, so that we can make more informed, better choices, that we can be people who have more free will every year that we live in this. I think that God has called us to fight for more agency in the world and, and to use that agency for good mm -hmm. and beautiful things. Now, this comes with what I want to touch on is we've talked a lot about the um, naturalistic circumstance in our life that right. old-fashioned determinists would talk about. But I want to talk a little bit about the the more Christian or faith-based determinism um, that is found in a lot of theology today. And a lot of it comes from people like John Calvin, um, John Edwards, who essentially uh, posit that God has chosen everything, that everything sure. has happened was willed by God, good or bad, that if you go to heaven, it was willed by God. And if you go to hell, it was willed by God and you had zero choice in the matter. By the way, I think there are a lot of incredible, uh, really godly, um, intelligent uh, reformed theologians. So this is not, I'm not just throwing everyone out the bathwater, but I do disagree with them on the fact that I think that God has ordained everything. Sure. Because like I said earlier, we really have to start wrestling with, well, who does that make God if he literally makes conscious beings to ultimately give no choice that ultimately yeah. end up in hell? And I think that's a really hard thing to wrestle with a God and a character, a God who has a character like that and somehow um, reconcile that with him calling himself loving, graceful, gentle, and kind. And I don't find that in that philosophy, any of those adjectives are apt to a God who intentionally has people raped, murdered, killed, and ultimately sent to hell without choice. So this is a really hard one. Do you think that God uh, has ordained everything, has chosen everything? And if he hasn't, is he not powerful? I mean, I think, so, okay, so, so my view on it is sort of like, is that, you know, it depends on what you mean by chosen everything, because when you're a person who this is actually or one ordained of our, everything rather ordained everything, because, you know, uh, like we said before, like, well, God ordained choice. And if you're a if you're a if you're somebody who has all power, all capable. But of course, anybody who's read a Superman comic knows that just because you have all power to do something doesn't mean you do it. Um, exactly. So, so just because God has the power to determine things doesn't mean that he always does. Um, yes. But so that the fact that God allows free will doesn't take away God's power um, in my mind. Also, believing that God, um, you know, allows free choice doesn't take away his sovereignty again, because he decides that there's going to be free will in circumstance. Also, he knows the future. And so if he knows the future, he can account for anything that would throw off his plan too much. So it's like, you know, I see that's interesting. There's a whole new, 
brand of theology, not brand, actually it's very old, but it's, it has a, it's had a resurgence with new titles called Open Theology, which essentially states that God has chosen to limit his foresight. He knows the trajectory, but yeah, and he knows where things will end up, but he's chosen to allow us to exercise our yeah. will in and time. That, that comes from a fear that if you know something that's going to happen in the future, that means it's predetermined. Yes. Um, which... Uh, it's honestly enough. There's a medieval philosopher named Boethius. By the way, one of our fellow overthinkers, Davis Campbell, actually, I asked him to make sure that it was Boethius because I didn't remember. Um, but uh, Boethius, um, who's, who gave this metaphor of the chariot, who basically said this is not true. Just because you can see the future doesn't mean you caused it and doesn't mean it's determined. Because he used the metaphor of the chariots where like, if you are watching a chariot race and you're watching it happen in front of you, that doesn't mean you caused it. So well, there, there's a so if you're so a great line you, in twilight, I, I, if you see something in the future, that doesn't mean you caused it or that it was predetermined. So it's well, interesting. I feel I should interject with a great line from Twilight right here. And oh, um, of course, yes, I'm ashamed to know, but one of the vampires can see the future, and Bella, the human who doesn't understand the world of the vampires, says, "Well, why should we worry? We're just going to end up in this future that she sees anyway." And he says, "Yes, you might see the future." but it's something that we have power to change and affect. That right. is a future that's possible. Look at Dr. Strange. He sees right. all Strange, the possibilities. Yeah, all of the sci-fi things. Uh, the, the, the open theologians that essentially say that God is Dr. Strange. By the way, I, I think it's very interesting. I, these guys are very interesting. I'm not totally taken, but I do think it's something worth exploring. No, sure. I just the open think... theologians would essentially say that God is Dr. Strange. He can see every possibility. possibility yes. Um, yeah. I, I just think that it's trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist for me. It's like the, the open mm. theology is trying to solve a problem that I don't think is necessary. Um, it could be, it could be, it could be true. I don't think it is, but it seems like it's trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. But um, that's and then we, if you're an open theologian and you want to disagree with us, that's we'd we love to get that. Greg Boyd on the podcast. Let him oh yeah, defend oh yeah. Heck, sure, if we can get Greg Boyd on the podcast, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem <laughs> with that. Um, but I'll say that you know, for me, what. It's if if we to, to to sort of wrap up before we move on to some of our other segments, I'll say that you know free will requires certain conditions. You're right. The 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 arc of the universe is is cause and effect. It's determined. It's things are they, you know the arc of the universe is cause and effect, like the scientists say. The fact that free will exists is a supernatural thing that requires mm. certain conditions to work, and God wants us to have those conditions to work and only are possible because of God. And so the first thing we need to do is have the gratitude that God has, you know, given us divine revelation, that he's given us the Holy Spirit as Christians, that he's given us the capacity to have free will. To have, and then also to, we have the moral responsibility to try to extend that to other people and make sure they're capable of making the right choice, but also it's it's so that um, and this is it's you know uh, in in um, when so that they can make the right choice. You know, yes. one of the things that um, uh, is in you know uh, Dr. Johnson when I had his his class at the King's College, one of the things he pointed out is that in the in Exodus it says, "Let my people go, so that they can worship God in the wilderness." <laughs> And Interesting. so that the, the, we are meant for freedom and that freedom is a precondition to real, uh, good life. But it doesn't mean that when you are free, that all of your choices are equally good. 
We are made to make better choices, not worse ones, and to help others to do that as well. So I, I will wrap up by saying this. I think that as a, a man of faith, something I understand is that we are both physical. We live in a physical mm. broken world. And in that physical world, there are a lot of influence and influences and determining factors, like you said, cause and effect that exist. But we are not just physical. We are not just animals. We have a soul and we are made in the image of God. And, and the more we lean into the image of God, the more we will find that in his image, like his image, we have a will and we can choose how to exercise this will. So yes, there are determining factors in our lives. So there are determinist things that will happen if we just allow them and in this physical world that affect us. But we also have the ability, a gift from God, uh, to live into the the image that he has put on us yeah. that allows us um, to have a will and agency in this world. So I would say determinism exists and it yeah. can run your life, but it doesn't have to. And God has given us the ability to act in his image, to fight for more free will and to use that free will for good. Now, Boom. having wrapped up, uh, it's fun today on the group, uh, on, the, on the Overthinkers group on yes. Facebook, we have actually posed this question. We're gonna continue doing this on the Overthinkers group. And we wanna read some of your comments and thoughts about this question. Uh, so Joseph, do you have a couple pulled up? I will pull up a couple as well. So I, yes, I have, hold on right over here. Um, I, what was that? I know that we had, say, I lost the place. Hold on. <laughs> oh, technology. People are posting so many fun things. They are, they really are. Okay, so um, uh, yes. So we have our, one of our, our very helpful members uh, or commonly posting members, Christopher Sean Shaw, so that you know, he, where he has sort of a similar nuanced view where he's like, you know, in general, yes, he believes you have free will. Obviously God intervenes when he sees fit. However, I'm definitely not a Calvinist. Oops. We had another shot. <laughs> um, sovereignty does not equate to every microcosm and event and thought and action and reaction are predetermined slash decreed by God. This does not line up with so many scriptural references in both the old and new testaments. Yeah. So this we, again, we, you know, we have that, that, uh, that going where, you know, Chris Rashawn is basically saying, look, just because, you know, God can control events and he does specifically intervene in some events to bring about his will in certain circumstances, um, doesn't mean that every microcosm is, 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 is determined. It is also interesting to kind of the question of why God intervenes in some events and not others is a deep, good question. But as you said, it's, it's a hard question, but it's not as hard a question as certain other questions, like God causing evil, which is the one like St. Augustine was trying to deal with, with the will. So, And, and I want to read a comment by another one of our, he's an international, um, uh, one of our members on the Overthinkers group. And uh, he has an interesting uh, perspective on this. Uh, Stein Bernstein, he says, does anyone actually understand free will? The whole concept seems paradoxical to me. Maybe because it's like Nathan Cher, our third overthinker, so eloquently put, he's quoting Nathan, uh, Nathan A here, um, a delicate and divinely ordained balance that I can't even begin to comprehend. Maybe we can't feel the truth of the matter is a lot more complex than we try and make it out to be. We're so conflicted. And here we are with our heads firmly up our bleeps. Um, so that, that's interesting. He's kind of taking the... Uh, the approach that this is too big for us to totally fully yeah. grasp and understand the free will and termism is something that we want to have these final answers about, but ultimately is really, really hard to understand. And I, yeah. I tend to uh, agree yeah. in large part. That's, that's a good point. I mean, sometimes, sometimes philosophy needs, needs some intellectual humility 
Yes. And that's something we do not have here. We will always no. provide you our answers. <laughs> <laughs> do you have one more great comment from one of our, yes, um, one of our group? Yes. From uh, Ryan Wilson, who says, I've thought about this for the last 10 years and I've changed my position a few times. Good for you. It means you're actually willing to, to yes. change. Your great. Um, recently, I've been leaning towards compatibilism, which is something we mentioned earlier. We mentioned it. Uh, yep. The thesis that free will is compatible with determinism, mostly because of agent moral culpability. As I've grown older, I've become more comfortable with mystery rather than Descartes, Descartes' indubitability. I think I mispronounced that. I do struggle with the general idea of God's macro determined plan for humanity being made up of free will causal events. Um, I, oh, but also, Ryan says, I would argue that if whole determinism is true, I don't think something like hell exists and universalism holds up to be more compelling due to God's perfect goodness. So, yeah. So that's, you know, again, one of those things where like, okay, well, how could God hold us accountable for our choices? If, um, we if didn't he, make the choices, if he, if there are no choices, you know, yeah. um, I'll actually, I want, I do want to, this reminds me of a, a old joke, um, Heraclitus, an early Greek philosopher, it's similar, basically said, everything has changed. You're like, you're not the same person you were 10 seconds ago. Like everything, you know, nothing says. And of course, what people always joke, made jokes about at the time, they made fun of him for that because they would like have to say, oh, well, that means I don't have to, you know, pay my debt to you because I'm not the same person that I was five minutes ago. And that person would hit the other person and say, why'd you do that? Say, well, I don't talk to me. Talk about the person five seconds ago who hit you. <laughs> you know? And so a lot of times these philosophers is like, is create more problems than they, they solve by not, you know, adhering to Occam's razor, which is the simplest explanation is the best one. And simplest explanation is we have a will and we also have determinism. Both of those exist somehow. But um, th this is really fun. I love, you know, there's a lot of differing opinions on the overthinkers group, which is what we love. Yes. Um, so this is a, a short plug. If yeah. you have some thoughts, we will be putting the questions that we're going to be posing on the podcast, um, on our group, and we will read a few uh, every episode. So if you want to be a part of the conversation, um, as well as get awesome memes and articles and argue with people about big questions online, please join the private uh, group, the Overthinkers on Facebook. We were having such a blast. Uh, there's hundreds of us now just talking about all the stuff that interests us that are the big questions of life. So please head over there. And now, Joseph, let's move into our blesses and curses. Blesses and curses. How do facts, Nathan, share? Yeah. So, yes. So, what, Nathan Clarkson, are your blesses and curses related to free will and determinism? Or like, which ones have you chosen? Because we've decided that you're capable of doing that. Well, I don't know if I did choose them. Uh, they could have been predestined. So if <laughs> anyone gets mad at me, talk to God, because he made me <laughs> choose these blessings and curses. Um, but my bless is, I might have mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's worthy of mentioning again. It's a, it's a video game. And I think video games are really great ways to kind of explore this concept of free will. Mm -hmm. And the video yeah. game's called Heavy Rain. And it's a murder mystery. It takes place um, in New York City. And they're, they're looking for a murder. And you play all these different characters. The interesting thing about the video game is, though, every character you play, you make their decisions. And every decision you make ultimately leads up to the end. So you affect, through every decision you make, 
what story will be told. Uh, and there's all, and there's a, you know, a million different endings that can happen based on the decisions you make for each of these characters. And something that people go back and play again and again and again to get different um, outcomes. Right. But I think it's a great ex exploration of how important our choices are. Yeah. Uh, it does show the influence of our choices, but I and think it it's a reflect, great- It does go also ahead, reflect yeah. sort of what we were talking about, which is that our, you know, the, the game maker actually, we sort of talked about this in our video game episode, but the game maker does create circumstances that determine some of the, you know, um, of the options that we have, which is actually how free will sort of works. Anyway, go ahead. But yeah, the game maker being God, that's, that's just an interesting right. perspective. But I, I just, I think the video game, it's, it's beautiful. It's well acted. It's interesting. Uh, it's intriguing. But I think it's also just a great exploration of do we have choice and do our choices matter? And it obviously they do, depending on who you keep alive, who gets killed, do you catch the murderer? So it's a really interesting exploration of that and done in a really fantastic and beautiful and quality way called Heavy Rain. Um, so for my curse, oh boy, I've been struggling with my curse. I don't know which one. I'll go ahead and start with this one. <laughs> with this one. Uh, the butterfly effect explores pretty much the same thing, how our choices affect uh, the stories, how our, do we have free will, are we predestined? So I think that's a that's an interesting movie, but it's really done not very well. And so I got, <laughs> it doesn't matters. explore it that to matters. the extent, it doesn't explain, it doesn't um, investigate quite to the degree I wish it would. And then I guess my last curse, <laughs> I really shouldn't do this, but uh, a lot of the tenets of um, uh, Calvin's writings, I, oh I just, <laughs> I just really, really think um, that he had a, a, a misunderstanding of both scripture, God's character, and human will. And I think it has unfortunately given a lot of people, especially non-believers, uh, a really incorrect um, detrimental view of God. Now, I'm not saying that everything he said was terrible. I just, I, I will say a, f a lot of the assertions, especially the most influential assertions that he has in his writings and work are things I find to be um, uh, very unfounded and apparently untrue. I uh, this is our our this is our Calvinist where we just take it to Calvinism episode. <laughs> um, I, I look that, forward. That's to, just me personally. This is not the podcast endorses. I, I love. Just, I, yes, the 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 words reflected by the hosts of the Overthinkers <laughs> do not reflect on the Overthinkers. No, I'll brand. never work in Hollywood. All those Calvinists. <laughs> <laughs> All those Calvinists will keep you out of Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> that's right. By um, the way, I have I, so many friends and Calvinists I, who I, I do absolutely really, love and respect. Look forward to the paragraph long you know explanation of why we're misinterpreting john calvin's uh <laughs> too. um but uh but cool all right so uh the um so i my i will do so my bless first of all i will reiterate a clockwork orange just because i talked about the philosophy behind it but also just as a work i just explained earlier just like how he really does take like okay let's take the most evil person you can imagine and how horrible would it be if we took away that person's free will and um, and it mm. explores it, and it it's, it explores it so well. And nobody is clean in that. Everybody is sinful, and everybody you know uh, in, in, has their hands dirty. It's a it's a real and it's exploration of politics, how politics works. It's just an amazingly beautiful story. And people have found like it very difficult to read, but it is a very beautiful book. I even say that the movie is one of my is is probably my favorite Stanley Kubrick film. Um, even though even though it is, and again, it's, it's even harder to watch in some ways than it is to read because you can limit it in your imagination. So I definitely recommend the book over the movie. Um, 
I will I will say for my uh, curse, I will say the movie Source Code um, because that's a movie about someone who I still don't understand this um, who goes into who you, he's able to go inside a computer program in order to relive past events that have already happened in order to solve a mystery. But by doing that, he will take over somebody's body and actually carry the story on and change the past while he's in there. And I have, that is the ultimate in, okay, that's not just, um, you know, weird. That's stupid. Like that's, that's dumb. That's, that's not how, you know, computer recordings work, but even beyond like, that's not how computer computers work and they don't explain how it could work. Even if you say, okay, well, we don't know how free will works in our world either. It's still saying that the exercise of free will exists to do something selfish that hurts somebody else because he takes over mm. somebody else's body in order to exercise that free will in order to change the future and get what he wants. And that is, that's the negative side of free will is that we want to believe in free will so much. We want to make it so that we can do something selfish and not just selfish, but selfish in a way that's evil and harms others. And so I think that that oftentimes, again, free will is yes, it's important. It's also important to make good, right choices with that free will, um, yes. which is something that we should uh, we should always do as free will advocates. So that would be my curse this week. Uh, by the way, I'd say also uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't also mention Minority uh, Minority Report. Oh yeah, um, great movie. Yeah, is a is a great exploration of free will and consequence, and <laughs> yes. so uh, which is basically I, about I a guy. We didn't talk a lot about art in this. And I will say one thing about works of art tend to be very pro free will. And the reason mm. that I think, and this is just a theory, is that f- stories are not satisfying if there's not choice and choices don't matter. Yes. And so, you know, it's- And also you- the, the act of creating, the act of making yeah. art is in direct um, image of God creating yeah. and, and God it, with his will made the world and we with our will make our art. So exactly. I'd say when I'm doing that, when I, like I said, when I'm making a film, I can't not believe that there's free will existing for some reason. So I think that there's something in, in the art, art, active art make that makes it difficult to believe in determinism, not impossible, but difficult. Also PS, I just would like to say, I love my Calvinist uh, brothers and <laughs> sisters. And so my best friend, a Calvinist, and we have right <laughs> We have great arguments and stuff. So, um, but if you think I have so many Calvinist friends, (laughs) (laughs) so, but this is a perfect segue to all the Calvinist friends, brothers and sisters, uh, who just know how wrong I am and how, um, incensed you are at me having cursed John Calvin. (laughs) Um, please write us because we have a great website. We'd love to hear from you, uh, at the overthinkersjournal.com. You can find out more about the, uh, the, the show. You can find more about us. You can connect with us. You can write us and tell us how wrong we were. And I welcome, I want yes. to know how wrong I was. Uh, we look forward to that. Please write us. We love getting your messages and we've been getting a lot lately. Uh, we mentioned it earlier, but please check out the Overthinkers group on Facebook. It's a private group of people who love these big questions and we'd love to have your voice in there, uh, talking, discussing, debating them. Um, so please check out the Overthinkers group on Facebook. If you want to get a hold of me, Nathan Clarkson, just search my name on any of the social medias, or you can go to my website at nathanclarkson.me. Joseph, where can people get a hold of you? People can find me at josephholmesstudios.com. Also Twitter, uh, normalguy8, uh, Instagram, Holmes5905, uh, Facebook, uh, 
normal guy.902, I think is what it is. Anyway, find me, search <laughs> Joseph Holmes on Facebook, whatever. Um, yes. And so thank you all very much for taking part in this really fun philosophical discussion. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Thanks so much for watching, listening, all the things in. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs>